first reading is from 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 to 24. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zephyr of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Some time later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill, He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him in from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy upon this Widow, I am staying with by causing her son to die. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, Your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. The Gospel reading is taken from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 17. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, And those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. 
The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May I speak in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has come to help his people. The two stories we've had read this morning may be separated by something approaching a thousand years, yet they have many points of similarity. The arrival at the town gate, the death of the only son, the giving back of the son to the mother, the recognition that a great prophet has appeared amongst us. God has come to help his people. Luke surely must have been aware of these parallels as well as as the points of difference as he records the story. The account in 1 Kings 17 of the raising of the widow of Zarephath's only son is touching It underlines the care and love which Elijah felt towards this woman who had been so generous in her provision for him. Deeply distressed by the death of her son, uh, the one uh, to whom she was so devoted, the fruit of her own flesh and blood, now lost and gone forever, the widow hands her son to Elijah And Elijah cries out to God to intervene. And three times he stretches himself on the body, on the lifeless body of the son, as if to transmit some of his own life uh, to the lifeless body. And after the life has been restored to the boy, Elijah hands him back to his mother with the words, Lord, uh, look, your son is alive. And her response is, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of God from your mouth is the truth. The setting of Luke's story is Nain, a town near Nazareth in Galilee. It's a dramatic setting with a large crowd accompanying the mother and her deceased son, surrounded by mourners, no doubt, wailing loudly to express their general grief and their empathy with the bereaved and broken mother. It must have seemed odd, to say the least, insensitive even, when Jesus says to her, don't cry. Surely the death of a child is the cause of deepest sadness to its parents, aggravated when she, as in this case, she had already lost her husband, and mourning is the only true and natural response. But unlike Elijah, Jesus acts on his own authority. He touches the coffin, symbolically touching the body itself, a deeply shocking shocking act which would, uh, for a Jew, incur ritual uncleanness. 
and ordering the young man to get up, and now exhibiting all the signs of having life restored. Uh, Jesus, like Elijah, gives the child uh, with his new life back to his mother. Mourning soon becomes rejoicing. One gets the impression in the way the story is told that almost greater than the power of the miracle is the overflowing love for the widow which drives Jesus to restore the boy to her. Once again, God has come to help his people. No wonder the news spread throughout the area. All this, of course, foreshadows what must soon become apparent, that in a new way, God has come not just to the odd individual like the widows of Zarephath and Nain, to deal with their fear and loss, to restore a physical life which will not prevent further aging or sickness or death. But Jesus, the Son of Mary, and also the Son of Man, a representative of all mankind, is the one who will come to all people at all times, to those dead in their sin and aware of the need for forgiveness, to those facing crisis and loss and death, to those looking for hope and meaning to life. He will find and do find new life and restoration. The death of Jesus outside the city wall and the empty tomb is the offer of hope and life to his disciples. God has come to us and made us his people. Our mortal bodies have been touched by him and we are offered new life, are raised up to live with him in the new life which will never end. Death is something we push to the back of our minds unless and until it forces its way into our consciousness by the passing of a close friend or relative, a loved one, and perhaps more still by the threat of the limitation of our own lives. We build up such an environment for our lives of home and work, neighbours and activities and interests, and above all our relationship with our loved ones, a whole modus vivendi that can so easily become our life and our security. We make the assumption, if we're not careful, that it will go on forever, that we are entitled to expect it to do so. And part of the sense of loss so evident in these two stories is just that. They wouldn't be human, these two widows, if they did not feel a certain disbelief an anger at being left alone, a resentment that death had come to their house. Why me? Why my family? They must have been thinking. And as we reflect on our readings, we're reminded that we need to live within the true reality of eternity, that there is sand and there is rock, and our lives must have a stronger foundation than this world can provide. Of course it's good that we have strong and lasting and secure relationships and that we live full lives, but in the setting of our world, 
there will at some time come an event to disrupt even the closest ties when human sin or some intrusive distraction or age or accident or weakness or death itself destroys that security. But there is another context, another environment we are given when we find new life in Christ. He alone is the rock on which we build. The raising of the widow's son at Nain is then a metaphor, a sign of hope for all of us. But the life God gives as he not only came but continues always to come to help his people is not a promise to defer or reverse the natural physical or mental death, but is a promise to give spiritual life which will have no end. Such spiritual life begins as we surrender ourselves with all our imperfections and failures, hopes and fears to him, and finding his welcome, we are, as it were, handed back to the world for the rest of our mortal lives to live and serve our risen Lord. The story of resurrection is compressed into a few lines, a story of an event which lasted only a few minutes, the movement from death to life. But the impact, the consequence uh, it, it had lasted, so that every day thereafter the widow and her son saw life anew. They must have thanked God over and over for what Jesus had accomplished for the gift of life, for his mercy and his love, and found a new meaning and a new purpose in their existence. So must it be for all of us, as day by day we come again to the God of life, as we offer ourselves afresh to him and receive his forgiveness and answer his call to follow and to serve. The resurrection of the boy at Nan is a miracle demonstrating the power Jesus had over death, the power to bestow life. It pointed to the fact that he was greater even than Elijah, that here was indeed Messiah. It leads Luke in the next section of his gospel to tell the story of John the Baptist in prison and in answer to the question in John's mind, are you the one who should come? The messengers returned and said, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cured, the deaf hear, and significantly, the dead are raised. Jesus is the rock of life, our way, our truth, and our life. So Jesus is our foundation, We've known the need, uh, our need. We've known our need and that Jesus is the only way and truth and the sourcer and giver of life. Once we've discovered that, he gives us back for the rest of our lives to our families, our neighbours and our world. But he calls on us to be life bearers, to be part of his mission to the world, sent to the blind and the maim and the sick and the deaf and those without spiritual life. 
if the church responds faithfully to its call, people should always be able to see something of its master, which drives them to say, God has come to help his people. So may Jesus refresh, refresh the life of his spirit in each of us as we come to his table in this service. Amen.